capture the adrenaline that's shooting off in the electricity, he captures it right there on paper. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Hirschfeld. Well, I've drawn ever since I could hold a pencil. Actually, all kids draw. I just never stopped. Do you want to introduce it or should I? I think you should start off. Okay. Welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. This is the official podcast of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. I'm David Leopold, the creative director of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And I'm Catherine Eastman, and I'm the archives manager. It's the most important title in the foundation, really. uh, I beg to differ, but (laughs) we'll talk about it. Uh, That's part of what we're doing here. We're talking about Hirschfeld. There is so many wonderful stories associated with his drawings and so many questions that people ask about his drawings. We thought this would be the best way to address that. Right. David and I go across the country, really, giving a presentation called the Hirschfeld Century. And it's a huge hit every time because David never tells the same stories and he, the presentation never, uh, you know, goes the same way twice. So we have all these different Hirschfeld stories and we decided we'd make a podcast out of it. Well, we do these improvised illustrated talks and that's really what we're doing here, except you'll have to look at the images online. Uh, we'll put links to all the images that we talk about in right. the show notes. Uh, so now you just hear us talking. We're just gonna blab on. Okay, uh, so like David, you said we're doing Fiddle on the Roof, right? Yes, I okay. thought that was a great drawing to start off with. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's so many stories associated with it. Uh, there's big name beer, Zero Mustel. Easy for you to say. Yeah, really. Um, so this is the original production, 1964. Right. Um, and there's a great story that goes with this drawing um, of how it kind of came about in a kind of behind-the-scenes type story of costuming and Hirschfeld. Hirschfeld's method. Yes, yes. You know, when, so he would, uh, his drawings appeared on, uh, uh, his theater drawings appeared most frequently uh, in the New York Times where he had a 75-year relationship. Uh, he was, drawings were in the paper on average uh, every other week for 75 years. Um, and they, the drawings appeared usually the Sunday before a production uh, appeared on Broadway, opened on Broadway. And so on September 20th, 1964, Hirschfeld's drawing of Fiddler on the Roof appeared on the front page of the the arts and leisure section of the New York Times. Um, it was Dateline, Washington, D.C., because he had seen the show in Washington, D.C. Um, shows used to do out-of-town tryouts. They would go to Washington or Boston, New Haven, Philadelphia, and Hirschfeld would go there to make his notes and then come back to New York to do his drawing. When he came back from Washington, uh, with his and his notes would be a combination of sketches that he might make in the theater in a sketchbook maybe during rehearsal and then during performances he made sketches in his pockets he did it without looking he thought it was like typing you don't look at your hands while you're typing why do you need to look at your uh, sketch pad while you're drawing that makes sense Yes, it, it makes sense, uh, but only Hirschfeld can make it actually work. Yeah, it sounds difficult. <laughs> he trained himself. He sat in the dark uh, right. when he once he wanted to, once he felt that he sort of knew what he was doing. He went on the subway and drew passengers uh, without them knowing. Um, and so these notes were a combination of things, words and pictures and, and whatnot. But when he got back to New York uh, uh, to his home and studio on Ninety Fifth Street, he looked at all the sketches and he was perplexed because in every drawing he had done of Zero Mostel, who was the star of Fiddler on the Roof, um, 
uh, Mostel's vest was buttoned like a woman's rather than a man's. Which I did not know there was a difference. I think as a you woman, you may not story. be uh, yeah. uh, be aware of it. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> uh, you've never worn any men's clothing. You've never. Thought... I probably have, but it's not something I think. Oh, the buttons are on the wrong side. For I, the record, just... I have never worn any women's clothing. Uh, uh, well... Not that I have any problem with that. <laughs> Okay, okay. So it's buttoned on the incorrect side. A- incorrect side. He is drawn. And, and Hirschfeld, you know, he liked the spontaneous uh, sketch. He tried to capture that in his drawings when he started working. He really tried to be as spontaneous as possible because he thought that would make the uh, sort of the most lively drawing. Um, so he's looking at his notes and he wonders why he got this sort of bit of information wrong. So he calls his old friend, Boris Aronson, who designed Fiddler and who literally put the, the set fi- designer, the set designer, right. uh, Patricia Ziprod had, uh, done the costumes. And although Hirschfeld knew her, he was an old, old friend of, uh, Boris Aronson's. And so he called Boris up and said, how, why do, why do all my sketches show this? How could I have gotten this wrong? And uh, Boris laughed and said uh, that he hadn't gotten it wrong. In fact, at that time in the shtetl, uh, uh, men's vests buttoned like women's. Uh, in fact, all their clothing buttoned like women's. And so they decided to keep this piece of historically accurate research in the show. So Hirschfeld was satisfied that he hadn't gotten it wrong. But when he hung up the phone, he thought about it and he thought, uh, you know, I, if I do this, uh, no one else is going to know this, and he know he knew that no one ever writes in when the caricature gets it right, when the drawing got it right. They only wrote he wrote in when he they felt that he got something wrong, like he didn't put a flue in a fireplace or something like that. So he 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 realized that if he did he he'd done it like it was in the show, people would write in, and there'd be a lot of mail to answer. So in it, it, he dismissed this piece of great historical accuracy in his sketch and he buttoned the vest like a man to avoid <laughs> to avoid crank letters that's funny <laughs> uh so also we want to talk about caricature because we call hirschfeld a caricaturist but that's not really what he did no it, it uh, you know it's funny he was uh considered probably the 20th century's greatest caricaturist maybe greatest caricaturist of all time, but he really didn't practice caricature in the way that we traditionally define caricature. It's not pejorative. It's not, he, he doesn't do big heads, little bodies. He doesn't really use anatomical distortion. He uses exaggeration. Um, he right. certainly uh, treats things in a graphic manner, but uh, he is he's joining the performer in what they're doing rather than commenting on it or putting it down. Right. Uh, uh, when pressed, he would refer to himself as a characterist because that's really what he was looking for was the character of the performers. Yeah. And he liked those larger than life characters. Oh, uh, he loved. Like Zero Mustel or like Ray Bolger. Yes. When, when he started, you know, it was it, his job was very easy because there were these great performers like the Marx Brothers and right. uh, like Mae West. Th- these people were caricatures incarnate. And so uh, Hirschfeld really felt that all he had to do was transcribe them. Um, as the century wore on and American drama really went to a much more character based uh, drama such as uh, uh, Tennessee Williams and William Ng and Arthur Miller. That should have been the end of Hirschfeld. Uh, or it was the end of a lot of caricaturists. Um, but for Hirschfeld, who was so much more interested in character, it was just a different type of challenge. 
but he really loved he, he loved the larger than life characters. You right. know, they were fun. Zero Mustel fit that bill, and in fact, probably overfitted. <laughs> you know, he he was he literally was larger than life in everything that he did. And uh, uh, Al would refer to these people as overactive thyroid cases. Right. Uh, the kinds who don't close a door, they slam it. Right. Um, well, before Zero was Zero, he was Sam Mostel, and he was a painter in the village, right? Right. And Hirschfeld helped him get a start. Right. Uh, well, uh, as I said, Zero was this sort of uh, uh, performer sort of waiting to be born. He would <laughs> stop by Hirschfeld's studio, and he would pretend to be a coffee pot percolating, for instance. And uh, Hirschfeld thought that was, was hilarious. And uh, one day, Barney Josephin uh, of Cafe Society stopped by Hirschfeld's studio and said, is there a, a comic that you can recommend to open a performance at Cafe Society? You know, sort of the curtain raiser before the main act came on. And Hirschfeld suggested there was this painter by the name of Mostel who was very funny and maybe he should get him. Well, he got him and Mostel was a huge hit and uh, went on to have this incredible career that we all are aware of. That's so great. That's so great. Um, what should we talk about next? Should we talk about... Um... Well, well, let's talk about this because this is really important and something we talk about a lot. So I feel like our first episode should have this is that the number of people who have seen Zero Mostel as Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof are disappearing. So that True. Uh, I guess it's the topical value of the drawing is disappearing. Would would that be fair to say? Well, yes, it's always I've never seen I've seen Fiddler on the Roof, but I've never seen Zero Mostel. As Fiddler on the Roof. Right. Uh, well, they they function on a lot of different levels. Right. They always did, and, and what we're seeing now over time is the levels being sort of peeled away. Hirschfeld understood that it had to look like the the performer. It had to capture the essence of the production right. because that's what readers wanted. That's what editors wanted. That's how he got paid. But that's not really what he was interested in. He was interested in creating a drawing that withstood its topical news value. And over time, what we've discovered, what we're seeing right now uh, is people just like Catherine, uh, who is a millennial. Um, they Don't they, hold it against me. <laughs> <laughs> some of my best friends. Um uh, since they don't bring uh, the the sort of baggage of the performance, they look at the drawings uh, like art, uh, like we, like almost everybody today looks at Toulouse Lautrec's drawings of Jane Avril or Yvette Gilbert um, in the Caris, uh, Paris uh, cabarets. Um, I'm sure they were very accurate. I'm sure he captured the essence. I'm sure people at that time said, "Boy, he really got her." But nobody looks at those drawings today. Well, almost nobody. I'm sure there's a few scholars, <laughs> right, so, right. some grad students who, who look at them uh, for documentary information. We look at them for their aesthetic value, not their documentary value. And so that is one of the things that's happening with Hirschfeld's work right now and something that we'll address in future episodes. Right. Um, but the but what Hirschfeld was one of the primary objectives that Hirschfeld was trying to do. He was being a visual journalist. These drawings appeared the Sunday before shows opened. He didn't know if Fiddler on the Roof was going to be the biggest hit of all time or the biggest flop of all time. And he didn't trust his own uh, uh, senses in the sense of that. He felt there were so many shows that he thought were going to be great big hits and 
closed the next night or the right. following week or something right, like right. that and shows that he uh one time he tell he told me that he almost fell asleep during a show and he thought well that's not going to run and it became a big hit what was the uh, show I'm putting you on the spot, uh, I, and you don't know. No, I know. Right? I do know. Oh. I don't want to say it because uh, 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 it was Carousel in 1994, oh, really? which was a great production. Oh, he, and there's a wonderful drawing. There's of a that. wonderful drawing, but he didn't think it was going to be that big of a hit. Huh. Uh, and uh, of course, he was wrong. It was actually a very big hit. And was really, this at Lincoln Center? It was at Lincoln Center. I see. I see. Yeah. Uh, so funny. Uh, it it was. Um, so he was really like a visual journalist. He was trying to capture the action on stage and present it not uh, uh, subjectively, but objectively, mm, right. you know, filtered through his own senses. He had a point of view, but it wasn't whether it was bad or good. It was, And it didn't have any spoilers. It didn't tell you the plot. Right. Uh, it gave you all the action, but didn't right. tell you any of the story. Right. And I think that that's accurate if you look at the original drawing of Filler on the Roof. It's... It perfectly sums up the show, but yet nothing's really happening in the drawing. Right. But it's so alive and it so captures everyone. Um, I mean, at least for me, I didn't see the original production, so it captures the characters right. more so than the performers like Zero Mostel. Uh, so there's a bunch of drawings of Fiddler on the Roof. We have this original drawing from 1964, uh, which appeared the Sunday before, which is incredible because you would think, uh, you know, we think of Fiddler on the Roof now as like one of the most popular musicals of all time. Sure, been but, revived on Broadway, I think, five or six right. times. But then it was completely unknown. So that's just, it always blows my mind when I think about it that way. Uh, we also have the movie, which is how I grew up with Filler on the Roof. Right. From 1971. Hirschfeld did a drawing for The Times, actually uh, one of his rare film drawings for The Times. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't know that was for The Times. Oh, yeah. That was for The Times. Wow. Um, and he captured uh, the performer who played Tevye in the film version was a Israeli actor by the name of Topol. Right. And that's my Tevye. You always say, you know, Zero Mustel is the ultimate Tevye, but... That's it's what I grew just up me. with. Well, I know, me. I know. Well, I grew up with the movie, so that's my tip, yeah. Uh, there's also, so the other good drawing uh, that he kind of records theater history in is 1972. It surpassed Tobacco Road as the longest running show on Broadway. Yeah, and so he shows uh, a Tevya and his wife uh, racing past um, the actors in Tobacco Road and also Life with Father, which was a very oh, long-running gotcha. show uh, on Broadway. Um, so Hirschfeld would do sometimes these fun drawings that weren't necessarily the show opening this week. Right, right. Uh, then there's another uh, single portrait of Tevya, or uh, Zero Mostel, excuse me. From 77. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When uh, uh, Zero did a revival in 77, and Hirschfeld captured him in that performance uh, right well, before he died, actually. Well, that couldn't have been too long after the original production ended that it was already being revived again. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. I guess that happens today a lot, too. Oh, without uh, a we're doubt. We're looking at you, Lamez. Uh, <laughs> or cats. <laughs> well, cats less so than Lemus, but yeah. Uh, and then another Topol drawing in 1990. 
Um, I, well, so Topo eventually it played it on Broadway, and uh, Hirschfeld did a drawing of him then. Mm. Um, and he's a character that shows up, and there's two drawings of Jerry Robbins, uh, who was the original uh, director and choreographer of the show. And uh, there was a drawing of uh, Jerry Robbins in 1981 that was talking really about his duality, you know, this ballet genius and this great Broadway show genius. Mm. And the two uh, characters were a ballet dancer and Tevye. Um, And then when uh, Jerry Robbins did Jerome Robbins on Broadway, um, Al did a sort of composite of dances from 10 different shows, uh, sort of all hanging off uh, Jerome Robbins sort of telling people what to do, which is something that Robbins really liked to do. And (laughs) so Tevye shows up there and uh, not so much Zero Mostella's Tevye, but Tevye. A Tevye character. Um, I think we should also touch about, because there's also great stories about the rhinoceros drawing. Oh, yeah. Well, Zero, he he started drawing Zero um, all the way back in 1945 uh, in a show called Concert uh, wow. Varieties um, that actually also starred Jerry Robbins, which is huh. just a crazy thing. They would have a very complicated uh, history because Zero was a blacklisted actor and Jerry Robbins was Name somebody names. who named names. Oh, wow. uh, and there's a whole story about, uh, you know, their tryouts uh, for... Um, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Mm. Uh, they they had a very contentious relationship, but it made great art. Mm, um, so in 1961, Zero played in Ionesco's Rhinoceros with Eli Wallach, a great cast. And uh, it was produced by a German expatriate set designer and sometimes producer by the name of Leo Kurz, who would end up playing a sort of very significant role, well, not he himself, but his wife, uh, a young woman by the name of Louise, who uh, he had married soon before this production, and she was his production assistant on uh, on the production, and, of course, Hirschfeld came to see it. It was a great show um, that, uh, if, for those of you who don't know Rhinoceros, it's a show about conformity um, in which uh, the characters in the play start to become rhinoceroses. And uh, they, uh, which is crazy, Um, but uh, Ionesco really insisted that uh, they wear masks. And Zero Mostel said he didn't need a mask to turn into a rhinoceros, Mm. which I guess is something that Zero Mostel might say. Right. Uh, And he really fought (laughs) hard for it. He can be a coffee pot. He can be a rhinoceros. It's it's easy after that. (laughs) Uh, and Zero was was someone who felt very strongly about his opinions, and and he, as great and funny as he was, he was prone to getting into arguments with people. Mm. Louise Kurz told me a a, a, a very funny story um, when she she and her husband Leo were uh, through a party one night at their apartment, and uh, Zero was having a fight with uh, Harold Klorman, a great director and. Uh, uh, originally with the group theater. He was having a fight with Harold Klerman uh, about something. And they had both been invited to the party and the party's going on. And and, uh, and Louise was a little bit concerned about what would happen when they both were in the same room. <laughs> and uh, Zero gets there, makes a grand entrance. Uh, and he announces to everybody, he says, I just want to let everybody know that Harold Klerman and I are not having an affair. <laughs> Which That's is exactly great. the way. I mean, he diffused the whole situation, right? And by he was a it. crazy character, and which made him exactly the kind of person that Hirschfeld liked to draw, right? And 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 when he played this rhinoceros, even though he did not have any makeup, 
you believed he was a rhinoceros. Yeah. And in the drawing, I think he has rhinoceros feet, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He does. So he's and like he's turning sort of, into a rhinoceros. He, but it, it, he did not have it on stage. It, it upset right. Ionesco so much that he left New York before the opening. He was so upset by it. But of course, it's the one thing that that this that that Broadway production sort of catapulted that show in that play mm. into a, sort of a classic. Oh, interesting. Uh, do we have anything else to say? I always have more to well, say. Well, yes, but for this episode, David. <laughs> Um, you should really look up on our website. Uh, you can yeah, uh, look up Zero Mustel. We'll, we'll provide a link. It's alhirschfeldfoundation.org. That's Correct. where you can look up all the drawings. Uh, I'm going to post all the drawings we talked about or even mentioned uh, in the show notes. So you'll be able to find that. You can also find the episode in the show notes at our website for the podcast, which is alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash podcasts. That's with an S at the end. Because that's S for super. Right. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on uh, Facebook, the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. We have a fancy little check mark that I'm very proud of that we have. Uh, meaning we're we're also on Facebook. That's and, what I just said. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, I, I, then I meant to say on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. At Al Hirschfeld. Instagram at Hal Hirschfeld. Subscribe to our new show on iTunes. This is our first episode, so please forgive us. We're uh, still working. I mean, I think we're doing a great job. But <laughs> if you we're do still, say so yourself. Yeah, but we're still figuring everything out. So. Uh, and tell your friends and write reviews yeah. because that's how people listen to podcasts and know about them. Definitely. Uh, so thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you. Bye.